Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. My name is Tom Dow and I'm joined by my best friend Andre Grayson. Hello Mr Dow. Hello. So we are going to be talking about uh, the West Ham game that happened over on the weekend and we will also be previewing the Liverpool game that's going to be happening on uh, next Monday night uh, alongside uh, welcoming our newest addition to the club which is Alex Runnison, mm. who has joined the as our presumably as our second choice goalkeeper. No, he's number one. He, oh yeah, of course he's number one. He's definitely going to bump Bert Leno. Uh, but we'll get onto that later. First of all, though, we need to complete our commentary quiz. Now, every week we both select a piece of commentary from a goal of years gone by, and we have to read that piece of commentary to one another uh, with no emotion and no context. And the other one has to try and guess what that goal is. So. Uh, Andre, would you like to go first this week? Yeah, for sure, for sure. You're still leading by one. Um, I, uh, I'll be, I'll be impressed. That's all I'll say. I'll be impressed. Okay. I'm nervous now. I don't no, like. Sorry, this. sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, it, okay, it's a damage limitation exercise. Arsenal pulling out all the stops. Wow. <laughs> I mean, want, there's another bit to the commentary. Go on. I think I'm going to need a bit. Okay. Old Carnu. Old Carnu. Do you want a bit more? Yeah. <laughs> Five. Five for Arsenal again. Now, I'm trying to think of a game when Carnu scored to make it five. Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm thinking, is it is it from 98-99? It is. Okay, so the two games that are popping into my head are either Middlesbrough away or Wimbledon at home. Okay. Um, it is one now, of those two. I think it's more likely to be Wim- uh, Middlesbrough away. You want to go for it? I'm going to go for Middlesbrough away. You're correct. Middlesbrough away. It was the back heel. The God. back heel, yeah. Um, Jeez, that was a hard one. Um, <laughs> well, look, I saw... Do you know what? I am watching more goals. So I was watching um, the Arsenal goals on Sky Sports. You can probably find it. It's on the planner some. You know, it'll be on a planner somewhere. You can download it. And it was Arsenal PL yeah. goals. And I was just like listening in. And I went, I'm writing as many of these down as possible for commentary. Because... Oh, jeez, this is going to be a nightmare for me. Then. <laughs> no, not at all, because also I was obviously revising, because they're normally quite famous goals. And I, I thought you'd do well to get that one. It just didn't mean much, the goal, but it was, a, it was a wonderful goal. And it's not one that you associate with the commentary, you associate it with the finish. So there you go. I, I did get there in the end. And it's it, I, firstly, I was quite impressed that I was ma- managed to narrow it down to the, the season, <laughs> because that is a... Um, Obviously, as a kid, I used to get the season reviews every single year, and even as an adult, going up to when they stopped releasing them. And it wasn't until uh, that one, uh, which I, I believe the uh, the video was uh, titled "Double Bypass," um, having surrendered two of our trophies to Manchester United. And I struggled every time I tried to watch that season review. I struggled because it was such a painful year. Mm. Uh, and even to this day, watching anything from that season, I find really, really difficult because it's just, it, it, it's, it's a season when we should have gone on and won the double again. And ultimately, had Dennis Bergkamp scored that that penalty in the semi-final, I, I, I think we probably would have gone on and won the double and Manchester United wouldn't have won the treble and arguably there's a fair chance they wouldn't have won anything. So it's it's such fine margins at that level of elite football, but it's it's a, that is still a tough one to take. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I still can't watch their treble winning. You know, it's one of those goals that pops up from time to time. I can't watch um, Teddy and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, I- I'm going to break our explicit curse early doors here. Um, but I have to say, uh, in 97-98, I was seven. And one of the chants that went up was, Oh, Teddy, Teddy, went to Man United and he won, fuck all, right? And yeah. when I was seven, that was that was just so wonderful. It was so wonderful. And then the next year they won the treble. And <laughs> they sang it back at us just with the treble. And that was my first experience of the pain and anguish that was to befall me in future years. 
great chant though. Um, yeah. But Teddy very much won a lot, and I can't watch the gigs goal either. I think it happened because I was younger, but I can't deal with those incidents to be honest. The, the, the gigs, the gigs goal makes me physically sick having to watch it. Um, cause there's been, there's been a few times when, uh, I, 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 for some reason I can't, this was fairly recently. I was in the gym and at my gym, they've got Sky Sports News, just, um, just playing on it, the TVs in the background and where they just, all of a sudden Ryan Giggs was running around with his hairy chest. And I was like, Oh, I don't need this while I'm trying to do a workout. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I left straight away because I was just like, this is just going to put me in a foul mood. You didn't go and bench press a million kilos in, in fury. You should have used it to your advantage. I should, I should have, I should have uh, harnessed the power that that anger gave me, but I didn't, I got in a half and left. <laughs> I love it. Are there any other, uh, are there any other games? Arsenal, you simply cannot, watch or engage with in in any way shape or form uh champions league final i can't i can't even begin to look at that i like watching the sol campbell goal um from time to time because it just gives me that that moment of hope but i refuse to watch anything beyond that because it, it's so painful that one um and the other one that i really struggle with is the fa cup final in 2001 against liverpool okay Okay. Because we absolutely battered them. And if you were to present a highlights reel to anyone and and said, who do you think won this game? No one in the world would say Liverpool. No, I know. And that on-show handball is still one of the biggest failings of refereeing known to man. Um, I have two. Um, I, I can't watch the 8-2. I can't even think about it. And just saying it out loud makes me feel sick. And the other one was the 4 all. Um, I don't need to say any more. Uh, actually, both four alls I can't actually engage with. Um, one up yeah. north and uh, one at home against um, <clears throat> them lot. I, I can't. Yeah. Have, I can't even. They, they, they were the. They were two of the worst feelings. I, I think the the one at Old Trafford. Uh, I can compartmentalise and go. Well, Arteta joined and look at the new era, and you can you can put that in its box. Um, the other two, I mean, that Newcastle haunted us, and it was just so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing, so embarrassing. Anyway, never mind. What's your? Let's let, put me in a better mood. What's? Give me the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this one is going to put you in a better mood. Okay. So, this one is, and they're through again. Do you want do you want the the next line? I think so. And they're through again, Fabregas. Oh, is that oh, of course? Uh, that's uh, when he the the North London derby, right? Where it is indeed the North London oh, derby. Oh, oh my god! Oh, oh, that was. So I mean, I, I'm really enjoying these noises that you're making. <laughs> sorry, sorry for our, for, our, for, our, for our female listeners. Uh, <laughs> or male, or male, no judgment here. Um, anyway, ah, uh, oh, I watched that in twelve pins, and it was my first ever experience of twelve pins. Uh, we'd just gone to, we just uni had just started, and I went up there with um, a couple of boys from uni, and I moved from. If you've ever been into twelve pins, there's a stage to the right, and I moved from the bar area to the left to the stage up on the stage just getting passed along there as a wiry, small 18-year-old, um, I got moved from the left-hand side of the bar to the right-hand side of the bar, just happy men throwing other men around, and I was just kept getting passed along. It was wonderful. That two-minute period is one of the best feelings football has ever given me. It's so, so good. And in preparation for this, while, uh, when I was waiting for you, uh, I watched that three times on on YouTube. And it's just so, so emotive uh, watching it and hearing it. And it's it's also uh, the co-commentator is Andy Gray. And it, it made me realise just how good Andy Gray was as a co-commentator. His, oh. his distinctive voice um, just adds so much to any goal. And the immediately after the, the the initial commentary, Andy Gray just says, "What are Tottenham thinking about?" <laughs> and, and it makes me laugh every single time I hear it. 
That is wonderful. Um, I've got to ask you, were you at the ground or were you... I wasn't. No, it was, uh, again, I think it was because we just started university. I, I'd gone home for the weekend. Okay. Um, my, my dad was at the ground and I watched it with my mum at home. Okay. <laughs> and and this was largely, the reason why I came home was because I couldn't bring myself to yeah. watch it at university with anyone else. Um, and I knew, obviously, if I watch it at home, it's not going to be an issue. And I don't think we'd met at that point. Um, which would explain why I didn't uh, accompany you to 12 pins. But uh, watching it with my mum was, uh, was great. We had a great time and I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was watching. What made it particularly special was that I was at the North London Derby the year before when we, the infamous 4-4 that we just spoke about. And that is probably the worst experience I've ever had in a football stadium. And it was just, it felt like revenge the following year watching us uh, win 3-0. And those two, those two minutes for those two goals was just exceptional. Yeah, wonderful. Simply wonderful. Uh, I have to say, of all experiences in a ground I wish I had, it would be that one. Because on TV, of course, um, you can picture the Arsenal crest and the word goal across there, very uh, sort of retro Sky Sports. And then it just disappeared and the ball was in the back of the net again. And you weren't yeah. really sure what happened. You weren't really sure what had happened. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to send you this later because I, I found uh, again whilst I was just watching that goal, I found a fan video oh of it, it's the celebrations just after Fabri- uh, after Van Persie has scored. So you see the players walking uh, back to the halfway line, and then obviously the goal goes in. You see all the celebrations kicking off again. It's, it was really, really good. I'll send it to you later, and I'll, I'll, I'll put it on our uh, Facebook, our Facebook page as well. Oh, but okay. absolutely majestic, and it did, it did sort of. Uh, Make you feel like you were there again. It was, uh, it was brilliant. Yeah. What do you make of um? What do you make of fan videos like that as a, as a rule? As a rule, it annoys me because I don't generally like um people having their phones out when they're in the grounds and stuff. Like it's okay if you're sort of checking something on Twitter on Twitter, like if it maybe an incident has happened. But people filming stuff and taking loads of pictures, I'm I'm not really for. Um, I I tend to I, I take a picture at every away game I go to, but I take it well before kickoff. Um, so that I can just focus on the game. Mm. So that's my stance. What about you? Yeah, similar, similar. Um, I, I, I'll film a bit of concourse, especially if a new chance gone up. But no, I can't film anything in the game. The odd picture here or there. Um, but the whilst I'd never do it, some of the footage is amazing. And my favourite uh, is Welbeck at Old Trafford, filmed from the yeah. Man United end. It's wonderful. I mean, actually, the thing is, I knock those videos because... The thing I struggle with, if I was, I think I'd feel differently. Say I went to a neutral game, that is marginally different. I still wouldn't do it, but I kind of get it. But I don't understand how you can film like the penalties going in. I've never, ever understood that. But there we go. Some of the videos, though, do make for amazing content. And I'd recommend digging out the Welbeck one because just hearing them go, oh, no. And then Welbeck (laughs) rounds to hair. It's wonderful. The ones that always surprise me, where I sit in the East Stand, every single time we get uh, a penalty given against us, there's a handful of people filming that penalty. And I'm thinking, like, why on earth would you want to witness that again? Why do you want to see someone score against Arsenal and every now and again look at that on your phone and go, oh, isn't that good? I just, I don't understand it. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, anyway, there we go. Good. We both we both got it. I mean, your working out there was was magnificent. And uh, two two very good goals. Two very good goals. Attacks the ball really, really well, Robin Van Persie. From six to seven yards, get a good contact, which he does. Place it down to the ground, and it makes it hugely difficult for the goalkeeper. And this time, the supporters that got behind the goal can stay up. And they're through again. It's Fabregas! What an end to the half for Arsenal! Frustrated for so long. Two strikes as quick as lightning. Well, who said this one wouldn't be as exciting as last year's? What on earth are Tottenham thinking about? Okay, they'll be disappointed. But react, someone, react. No, not, not good enough from our Premier League side to be picked apart. Yes, he's a talented young player, but you have to do better than that when you've just conceded. But take the hat off to little Cesc Fabregas. He jumped all over Tottenham. Time when they were feeling sorry for themselves, and now they're doubly sorry. 
Moving on to uh, the review of the West Ham game on the weekend. Now, obviously, Arsenal uh, clinched a 2-1 victory, which uh, maintains our 100% record for the season and also our ambition of emulating the uh, Invincibles. <laughs> so Sorry. so that's, that's a positive. Um, Andre, what did you think of the game? Um, I've changed my... I, I like doing this a couple of days post uh, post game so I think first things first I don't enjoy Saturday evening football that is not for me um, that's sort of a, a separate comment but it's just not the same I, I really I really don't enjoy the the feeling of watching Arsenal on a Saturday night because it's, it's just not the same I don't know loads isn't the same not being there isn't the same and the, the, the news you know today that's gonna be a long delay is very sad but that I was so frustrated with the game and also a separate VAR issue. I didn't celebrate either goal as it went in because I was so sure it was going to get disallowed. Um, but upon reflection and a bit of time to think, we don't win that game, you know, in the last two or three seasons, we don't sneak that win. And I think I've just got to take complete heart that West Ham absolutely shut us down. And we are largely the same squad. And as we've discussed many times on this, without a midfielder, we're going to have many more games like this. But if we can find a way and that becomes our habit, then, you know, as much as it's not entertaining football and hard to watch, um, I won't complain if we if we get the results, to be perfectly honest. Um, what What about you before we go into I guess specifics of, of the game uh, I like you I struggled watching it because it, it wasn't enjoyable for any of it and obviously me, me and you were texting uh, throughout the game and basically saying that we we couldn't really see our way through or how we were going to win that game uh, which I think is probably testament to the fact that, like you say that that's a game previously that we definitely wouldn't wouldn't have won um, we would have dropped points there and I think it's massive that we did get the three points there, particularly going into the game with Liverpool on Monday, because I, I, we're not expected to win at Liverpool. That's almost a free hit, that game, and anything we get is a bonus. And then we go into the Sheffield United game after that, and we've potentially got a chance to get nine points out of 12 by winning that game. So it's, it's a real positive, but it is still concerning uh, the lack of creativity we have, and that's something which... I mean, Mikel Arteta is not stupid. He, he's fully aware of what the issues are with this squad. And, I, and I'd and i be amazed if Arsenal aren't working frantically to, to try and get players out and also players in to try and rectify that problem. Yeah, and I think one of those players out we really need to discuss. And I think this is... I mean, I don't know. I listen to both the Arsenal Vision and the Arsecast. So um, I do think the way they described what Tierney's absence meant and the importance of losing both him and Maitland-Niles. I think it was too much of an adjustment, but I think it just goes to show how far away Sead Kolasinac is from being the uh, uh, the level. And I hate digging out individual players, to be perfectly honest with you, because I think he was clearly willing. But that player that um, was making several uh, impressive runs and getting lots of assists uh, only two seasons ago is is gone, actually. he lo- He doesn't even look... He always had limitations, but he doesn't look. He looks a, a, a shadow of himself, and it's a bit sad to see. But I think it it showed you also the importance of quality in certain positions and how quickly it can affect the system we've current we're currently playing. It really does. And going back to the absence of Kieran Tierney, uh, I as, as soon as that was announced, it's immediately alarming. Mm. But I, I I, I suppose I wasn't really prepared for the impact that it was going to have. And I texted you, obviously, on the back of the, the equaliser for West Ham and said that if Tierney's playing, I don't think that goal happens because Kolasinac doesn't react to Granit Xhaka um, going in infield to, to close down the person with the ball. Uh, at that point, he needs to go out to the player waiting to receive the ball so that that doesn't happen. And he doesn't react at all to that. So it, it ends up being a really simple cross. Um, obviously, Rob Holding didn't cover himself in glory with that goal either. But it's of such an avoidable goal to concede. And unfortunately, if you take good players out and replace them with players that aren't quite at the standard, that, that is going to happen. Um, I, thought, I thought Gabriel, considering the players that he was playing with, did well. 
Um, I, 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 di- I didn't really buy into the whole how, how some some elements of the fan base were lauding it being another majestic performance. I thought he looked he looked shaky at times as well. But I think you can understand that considering he had Klasenac one side of him and Rob holding the other side. Yeah, the thing that really stood out for me with Gabriel was firstly his blocks. Uh, he was in the right place for about three or four shots. Yeah. Really impressive. And I haven't seen an Arsenal defender get themselves in the way and read play like that for a long time. Um, consistently as well. You know, you get time to time, but he, he read it three or four times. You know, there was the one with the, the, the Leno um, uh, looking like a horse falling over um, yeah. when he went over Ceballos. But there was also one that was, uh, I think Bowen was cutting in from the right quite effectively. And he's just stood his ground, blocked it like it doesn't even, you know, just no chance this is going by me. Really impressive. And also, uh, by, my, I'm, by the way, I'm going to go on and say how impressed I was about his passing. And that's what stood out. But before that, there was a moment early on where Antonio ran down the left, I think it was, and he tracked him and he stayed with Antonio and muscled him off the ball. And I was really impressed with that sort of, you know, Mikel Antonio is one of the most physical strikers in the league. He is pure pace and power. I've, you know, he's a he's an absolute handful. He's the archetypal English centre forward handful. Um, and I was really impressed with him actually on the day because he's clearly a limited footballer compared to other talented individuals in the league. Um, but he gave, you know, he's capable of giving any defence to use the colloquialism a torrid time. Um, and I thought Gabriel handled that brilliantly. But it was his passing that stood out for me. <laughs> Despite all the other yeah. things that stood out, there was two that he absolutely whipped into Lacazette's feet. And I was, that is the kind of, we discussed the left-footed centre-half, that is the kind of distribution we're looking for. Um, impressive line-breaking passes, which are so crucial in a game like this. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it, it's clear why we were so keen to get him in. Um, I think he has such a big future at Arsenal and uh, he, he's really shown that in the first two games. Um, I, I just I, I can't wait so he has a, a settled defence alongside him, so then we can really see what what he's capable of. Um, but it's, for, for the time being, he's doing pretty well with 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 the tools he's been given. Absolutely, absolutely, yes, agreed. Um, what did you What did you make of our first goal? Um, and sort of, I, I, I guess. A um, couple of players I'd really like to talk about as part of this is is Bakayo Saka's performance. Um, but what did you make of our our first goal and sort of that first half? I guess as you know, if you discount their goal, I thought it was a pretty uneventful first half um, at both ends. Uh, there wasn't really much happening, and obviously when we did score, it was. I don't want to say too, uh, too much against a runner play because they, they weren't really creating much either, but nothing was really going on in the game. It was a bit, a bit of a stalemate. And it felt like it, it felt like at that time it was going to be a hard, a hard game um, for us to get the three points. Um, and then when we did get the goal, I thought it was really, really well well put together. Obviously, Saka's played a really nice ball through to, to Aubameyang. Abamyang is just so calm in those situations. It's, it's, it's a wonderful chip back um, back to Lacazette to head. And that goal I did actually celebrate. I know you said you didn't, but I celebrated that. And then as soon as I saw a replay from an angle, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then uh, obviously that got given, which was great. Uh, and then the second goal, uh, I didn't like you. I didn't celebrate at all. I didn't celebrate at all because I thought for sure Tobias was going to be offside. And if he wasn't offside, I felt for sure Nketiah would have been. Yes. So I didn't celebrate that. And then you almost feel like when, when the goal has been given, you feel like, the, well, the moment's kind of passed now. So as much as I was like, Wee, I wasn't like really, really pumping my fist and getting really animated like I, I would have done initially. Mm. Yes, it's a bit of a shame to miss out on that. Um Kelly really celebrated the goal amusingly, and I was like, "No, no, it's offside. Stop celebrating." Uh, <laughs> then when it was given, I accidentally headbutted her in my joy. Um, so all round, uh, <laughs> I don't think she was she was delighted with the goal, no doubt. 
um, but not delighted that um, I gave her a flying headbutt when I realised the goal had been given in my delirium. Yeah. Um, all, ra- all round, fuck VAR. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. Um, but it does take away so much. And um, one of the things I, I thought about the first half and, and the first goal, notably that Lacazette scored it. So great that it's two and two. Um, I, I saw some criticism of his performance, which I understood because you and I text, you know, it wasn't it wasn't sticking with him. But it's a moment that stood out for me that I'd sort of forgotten Lacazette does this. And it was that exchange with Willian in the first two minutes, which was the only time he really combined down the right in pretty much the whole game. And he's got a chance to get a shot away. And he's got such a ferocious shot, Lacazette. And he takes that extra touch. And you could you could say, oh, that's because it's the start of the season. He's not a sharp. But he's not been taking that shot well, really ever in his Arsenal career. And and you just want him to have a go because Fabianski, we know him as a keeper. He's a good shot stopper, but you've got to get shots in early doors. Um, and I was really frustrated he didn't get that away because it would have set us on, on our path. And I think one of the things I'd, I'd love to talk to you about is going to Anfield. You know, we are doing, we are recording the, the day before the Leicester game and this will go out afterwards, I suspect. Um, but either way, one of the things I wondered, regardless of whether Nketiah starts that game, which I expect he will, and if he if he starts, he'll score. Um, would you start Eddie at Anfield? Do you think, you know, coming off the bench, scoring the winner, his industry, the way he played in the Community Shield, you start him at Anfield and, and, and he gets a run in the team or Lacazette two in two, you've got to keep him going. It's a very tough decision. It is, but personally, I think uh, Lacazette is a player who who needs to try and build his form. And I think, as much as obviously it has, it didn't stick against West Ham at times. Um, I, I still think he's probably slightly ahead of Inketi, and with two goals in two games, I think he'll probably get the nod there. Um, so that's probably probably my stance on it. And I, 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 it's one of those ones that whatever Arteta decides, I'm I'm fine with. If he decides to go with Inketia for um, his work rate, then I'm fine with that. If he decides to go with um, Lacazette, I'm fine with that as well. So it's uh, it's an interesting one, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For me, I am. Um, I think my bold prediction is that by the end of the season, uh, when we're looking into next season, I think Eddie will have overtaken Lacazette in the pecking order. I just got a feeling. I felt the way. He came on, took that goal. Um, I don't know what it is. He looks he looks older. He looks more mature, more physically developed. He's just a small guy, I know. But I, I just felt he looked Premier League ready coming off the bench there. And, you know, he's a poacher and he works incredibly hard. Uh, I, I think Eddie, you know, we're waiting for that breakthrough moment. But this is the first time he's really won Premier League points on his own. And I was really impressed. It is, and I, I texted you and said that that's a, that's a huge moment for Inketia, absolutely huge. To come off the bench and score the winner, um, it's, it's massive. And to get him started for the season uh, with his first goal of the year, uh, that's, that's enormous for him. So really, really pleased for him. And I think he's such an exciting option to have because he just knows where the goal is. He knows how to sniff out those opportunities. And yes, a lot of his goals are scored from inside the six-yard box or, or a similar position. Um, but that's what you want from a striker like that. You want someone who works hard but gets into those goal-scoring opportunities. Absolutely, absolutely. And there you go. Bold prediction, ahoy. Um, and before we, we move on to a couple of other things, I wanted to ask you whether you watched um, Crystal Palace, Manchester United. I did. It was so much fun. So much fun to watch because Crystal Palace completely played Manchester United off the park. I mean, what's so interesting is I watched that and who else struggled this weekend? Who else are our rivals? I suppose maybe Tottenham v Everton last week or seeing Chelsea struggle past Brighton or how hilariously they got dismantled by Liverpool, which is hilarious until next week where when we suffer that, it won't seem as comical and Kepa's pass. But You've got to look at that top six, uh, you know, and, and Liverpool and City probably are a class mark. And go, there is just the ability for every team to slip up time and time again. You know, I don't think it will be as many points as perhaps it took to get in the top four as, as when we used to do it. Because 
Every game looks tough. I mean, Palace absolutely took Man U apart. They took them apart despite the nonsensical penalty that was given um, and subsequent correct retake, I suppose. Um, but, you know, when you look at someone like Wilfred Zaha and <laughs> you see so many Arsenal fans, it's so funny. Go, we must sign him immediately on the back of one good game. Um, but you, you sort of thought that really <laughs> in your heart of heart you went he looks a bit tasty Zaha when he's on it still um but yeah I I thought what I took from that is there's going to be so many ups and downs for every single team in the top six this season I don't think anyone's going to have a clear run you know when you look at Chelsea they did nearly slip up at Brighton without a, a Reese James absolute hammer strike they, they don't win that game Brighton were in the ascendancy um I just think there's so many opportunities. And if we can pull a run together, steal more wins like we did against West Ham, we, we really do have a chance of getting top four. Um, not that being said, not without getting a midfielder or two. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a, a fair summary of the situation. And uh, I think it's going to be a really exciting league. If you just have to look at the past weekend, I mean, the sheer number of goals that have been scored, um, there's obviously going to be some excitement along the way. But I think fans need to, like you say, be prepared for uh, a lot a lot of ups and a lot of downs because I think it's going to be a really unpredictable season. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think just to say as well, the, the final point on, on rounding all of this on, it's highly likely that... Uh, in two hours' time, they're going to announce that, you know, the, the possibility of fans coming into Premier League grounds is probably delayed by around six months. Um, and I just think you could have some of the... This could be one of the strangest seasons of all time. You know, don't be surprised if there's a bizarre winner or a bizarre winner of a cup, for example. Um, I just think that's... that's. I think it's going to be the most bizarre, unpredictable season for, for a long, long time. And it's it's such a shame fans aren't there. Um, and, and may not be. Yeah, as long as that bizarre winner of a cup isn't Tottenham, I think I'm fine with it. <laughs> I don't even want to countenance that as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think it's time to now talk about our uh, our brand new signing, uh, Alex Runnison, who joined Arsenal. Uh, was it on Monday that he joined? Yes, I think it was on Monday. On Monday. So it's yesterday. Yeah. Um. What do you what do you know about him, Andre? <laughs> well, all I will say is that he needs a new glove sponsor because the ones he wore were unacceptable. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that. That's the big takeaway from from him, him signing. Needs he, a new glove sponsor. He does. He does. He's quite a slight man. Um, I assume by the time this podcast goes out, he'll have made his Arsenal debut. Um, Rightly or wrongly, that's an assumption, but I think that will that will happen. Um, gunner, runner, I, I don't know what to say. I think I think sorts were rubbed in a second choice goalkeeping wound when Emmy Martinez saved a penalty on his debut, um, and when you combine that with Leno's uh, questionable handling in the West Ham game, um, I look at this and I go. It's a very sensible decision. It's very, very interesting to me that the person who decided and sanctioned, well, not sanctioned this deal, but said, this is who we need, is the goalkeeping coach, Iñaki Kanya. Um, and that's really interesting. I mean, I hope it I hope it proves right. But it's, um, it's a bit of a weird one. I don't think he'll make more than 10 Arsenal appearances and probably be there for years, I suspect. Yeah, I think a lot uh, will depend on what happens with uh, Matt Macy. So if Matt Macy does go and we need to sign a third-choice goalkeeper, then uh, I think that's probably why we've been linked so heavily with the with the Brentford goalkeeper. And potentially, maybe we think uh, with Matt Macy to get him to stay for another year and then potentially um, bring in the Brentford goalkeeper next year when funds maybe aren't as tight as they are right now. So potentially, that could be something that happens. Uh, but I don't know anything about him. Um, other, other than he's from Iceland and he's got a long name. That's pretty much all I know about him. So, well, Who was the last Icelandic player to play for Arsenal? Uh, it was Skullison, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, first name? Um, I can't remember his first mm. name. Have you seen... Olaf? Him? Yes. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, I was going to ask I... you if you've seen the film Frozen, which might have done a... <laughs> 
um, <laughs> discern, you know, I'd love to say that's not the kind of uh, caliber of film I'm watching, but uh, it's a great film. I can't um, believe last minute I've just pulled out his first name just like it was at the back of my mind. It's like, yeah, I did know that. Well, why do I know that? That's not something that anyone know. needs to know. <laughs> you and I have got problems. If we, why do we know the last Icelandic um, player to play for Arsenal? Um, I know we said we'd touch on the Liverpool game. We kind of did in the last part. But they've just announced that Tierney uh, likely to be back in full training later this week. So he should be available. And that'll make um, that's so important for that game. I mean, he is one of the most important players to be available, I think. Do you think, potentially, David Luiz comes back in for that game? Really difficult. I mean, personally, I would play him, yes. And I would play Tierney outside of Gabriel. And yes. I would be more defensive. And I think that Maitland-Niles comes off the bench to help protect you against Salah. Or, or, or you drop Gabriel because, you know, I'm in two minds. Because David Luiz had a um, bit of a... How can I put this politely? A bit of a shit show at Anfield last season. Um, he did, yeah, he did. <laughs> and you'd have to look at that and go, I'd probably rather Gabriel played. But then if I were protecting Gabriel, I'd play... David Luiz next to Tierney and, and Maitland-Niles outside of him. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's probably likely, but I just, I, I, I don't fancy Rob Holding playing out there, if I'm honest. Uh, he, he he concerns me uh, alarmingly. Mm. So, But you can't, but, and this is where you go to the problem, you can't have David Luiz on that right side of defence. He's kind of got to be in the middle and the linchpin, and you yeah. can't put Gabriel there because he's a left footer. So I think by default, holding he has play. to play, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he, yeah. he he stood up well in the in the community shield. So, um, you know, have have faith in in big big Bobby holding is is my uh, is my message. I will do. I've got uh, <laughs> complete faith in big Bobby holding. <laughs> okay, cool. Moving on to the final section of the podcast, uh, we choose a shirt from years gone by and we each select three goals that we instantly think of when we see that shirt. So this week we are looking at the 2004-2005 away shirt, which was a lovely blue shirt uh, with the crest in the middle of the shirt as opposed to the, on the left-hand side. So it's the right-hand side, isn't it? Hmm? It's on the right-hand side, isn't it? What's on the right-hand side? The, the, the badge. Is it on the left? or It's on the left if you're wearing it, but it's on the right if you're not wearing it. <laughs> Do you mean the Premier League logo or the crest? No, I mean the Arsenal crest. It's in the middle. No, it is on that shirt, but on, on any other shirt, it's normally on the right, isn't it? No, it's on, it's on the left as you hold your breast. Yeah, so if I'm wearing it, it's on the left, but if you're looking at it, it's on the right. <laughs> 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 yes, that is correct. If you're looking at it, <laughs> if you're looking at it, it's on the right. If you're wearing it, it's over your left breast. I think I should probably do that section again. <laughs> I've got to be honest, I don't think you need to. I think this is high class stuff and people will be screaming going, it's on your right or it's on your left. And I think that's the kind of stuff people live for, Tom. I think that is the kind of stuff people live for, so we'll just run with it. Uh, okay, so uh, Andre, I believe you're going first this week. Yes, I am. I am. Thank you. And you don't know my goals, but I've given you a clue on one of them. Um, so my first is uh, Thierry Henry uh, in a... Well, hang on. Let me, let me start by saying they're incredibly slim pickings uh, in this shirt because, because it was blue... Uh, the league was full of, namely, blue uh, away days, by the way. And that's not just in the attitude. So, And the game, we lost a lot of games to nil. So there weren't many goals to choose from here. Um, but one uh, that, I, that stood out for me was the Henri goal in the win at Villa Park in a 3-1 win. Uh, not the best goal in that game. 
But really, what I took from it, it was uh, a through ball by Vieira. Omri takes one touch with his right foot. He's, he's in that classic channel you can picture him at. And it wasn't, he didn't have time to sort of arc his body round and do his, his curled finish. But it was left footed. It is absolutely ruthless. Uh, it rattles just behind the, you know, just behind the post. It is absolute postage stamp. It is such a good finish. It was so ruthless. And really, it just spoke to his clinical nature during that time. Um, when he was on it, he was just outstanding. And it's just such a clinical and classy finish um, from, from the great man. It really, really was. And it came uh, just after he missed an absolute sitter before that as well. So it was really, uh, really a uh, just showed the quality of Thierry Henry that he could just put that out, out of his mind and then score a goal as, like, like you say, as ruthless as that. Mm. Now, my first goal comes from the same game and it is Ashley Cole uh, in that game, which that goal is probably one of my favourite goals of all time because every single element of that goal is absolute perfection. Uh, Omri picks the ball up on the right-hand side uh, just inside the Aston Villa half. Uh, battles with with a, a midfielder, manages to escape there and plays a wonderful crossfield pass to Dennis Bergkamp. And as the ball bounces up to him, Bergkamp plays this majestic first-time volley into the path of Ashley Cole. And Ashley Cole just runs onto it and lashes it into the far corner. And it's it looks so simple, but it's just absolutely fantastic from start to finish. And I, I, I think if there's a goal that summarises Arsene Wenger's philosophy and everything that he brought to English football, for, for me, that's probably it. Because it came at a period where some of the football Arsenal were playing was, was, was absolutely sensational. And as, as much as people look to goals like the Jack Wilshere goal against Norwich, that was at a time when Arsenal was struggling and Arsene Wenger was struggling at the club as well. So it, it feels quite appropriate that at a more successful time, um, we scored a goal of that calibre because it, it was absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, it's 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 poetry in motion, isn't it? And when you have your left back storming up the pitch and producing that finish, it was one of the finest goals. It is just those that Henri. If you actually watch it again, he actually produces a lovely piece of skill by the halfway line um, to beat a couple of men. Then it was his pure power. And, and uh, you know strength, and um, but it, it's all about Dennis. But the the finish from Cole is sort of an unusual one. From the... oh dear, I don't know what happened there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put my teeth back in. Uh, it was an unusual. <laughs> it was an unusual one from Cole. It's like a dipping finish, uh, and it just looks wonderful on TV. It really does. It really does. Okay, Andre, would you like to tell us your second goal? Yes, uh, so my second goal is the Patrick Vieira goal against Liverpool. Um, now, I, I, was, I was actually going to do it last, but last week we talked about a goal that happened in a loss and it really brought the mood down. Um, so I thought I'd get that out of the way now. Again, similar to the Cole goal, this is absolutely, this is football masterclass. How we didn't win this game is an absolute joke. Um, I will... You know, we actually talked at the start, didn't we, about goals I can't watch. I can't watch that Neil Mellor goal. It was so... Same. It was it, it was so wrong. It was so unjust. It was so unjust we didn't win this game, let alone not get a single point. But that Vieira goal, the passing combination, and then we've talked about Vieira's goals in the past, that impudent left foot finish over the goalie was just wonderful. Um, and again, you just got to take your hat off when you get that combination play that coupled with the cold goal were two of the most memorable that season in terms of that kind of combination play that was just a hallmark of Wenger's football. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also a, uh, a goal scored at that end with the away fans is, mm. al is, is always quite special at Anfield um, regardless of the outcome of the game. But that was a, that was a truly sensational goal. My second goal is actually Thierry Henry versus uh, PSV in the Champions League. And again, it's another example of just beautiful football. Uh, Henry picks the ball up and plays it into the, the path of Freddie Lundberg. Freddie Lundberg produces a nonchalant back heel and Henry in his ruthless manner just drills it into the far corner. And it's just really simple football, but football of the highest order. 
And I think that was really a hallmark of of what that team was all about because there wasn't many much trickery really. It was all about functionality, but it all, everyone was on the same page all the time. That it just it just all clicked together. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And again, there's there's as I said with this kit, that was a one all draw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't lead to much and didn't really get us anywhere, sadly. But uh, what can you do? What can you do? Um, Hmm. But lovely. And actually, it's interesting that that's your goal, because my final goal was Jungberg's second against Charlton, which also features a lovely back heel, this time from the up-and-coming Cesc Fabregas. It's a lovely move uh, involving Justin Hoyt. There you go. Uh, did, no one saw that coming. Uh, he plays it up uh, <laughs> through to Vieira, uh, who plays it into... Uh, Fabregas, uh, who's made a sort of run towards the corner of the box. Freddy's darted inside. There's a back heel, one touch, and then straight into the top corner. Um, it was just a stunning goal. And again, as you said, that combination football that season was just absolutely wonderful. Uh, but that season, uh, you know, was was so full of frustration, wasn't it? And we were capable of some some absolutely stunning moments, and 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 that was definitely one. Yeah, and I I think if it had been any other season when we we weren't contending with losing our unbeaten run, there's a, there's a, a case to be made for that being a, a totally different outcome to the season, hmm. um, because our the the football we were playing at times in that season was was better than what we were playing um, the previous year when we went unbeaten, um, in my eyes. So very 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 uh, frustrating that it didn't lead to more than just a, an FA Cup victory, but nonetheless. Uh, more trophies were won that season. And moving on to my final one, uh, we're going to end on a, a positive note this week after the uh, the downer you put on everything last week, Andre. And <laughs> this time it is from Gilberto Silva against Manchester United and the Community Shield. Um, now, although it was just obviously the Community Shield and as, as we all accept, it's, it's kind of just a glamorised friendly. Um, but when, we, when you win it, it's a nice way to kickstart the season. And I, the goal itself was uh, a brilliant pass through by Dennis Bergkamp and then uh, Jose Antonio Reyes rolled it on, the, on a plate for, for Gilberto. But it stands out for me. One, because uh, when Gilberto is running on to apply the finishing touch, I've never seen him run as fast in my life as he did it during that, during that goal. And the other thing that stood out to me is that it really set the tone for the start of the season because we absolutely battered Manchester United for 90 minutes. And it felt like at the time we didn't really appreciate that Chelsea were probably going to be the, the biggest rivals then. We still saw it as Man United are the team that we want to be. And we wiped the floor of them and it just looked like we were so far ahead of them in terms of as a, as a team. And it was just a pleasure to watch and it's probably the the community shield that I've enjoyed the most over the years because of the football we were playing and it was so clear that we were taking it seriously and that you could see in the Manchester United players that it did it did hurt them the way they were being dismantled by us that day so it's more about the the feeling that that gave me on on, on that day and obviously it's lovely to win uh, that piece of silverware but it was all about completely battering Manchester United <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and I should have said this sooner. Again, I don't want to bring it down too much, but wearing that, the biggest monstrosity, no, atrocity, the... <laughs> <laughs> More great stuff. The worst refereeing display you will ever see was performed by current chief of referees, Mike Riley at Old Trafford, whilst you wore that kit. Uh, still one of the most unforgivable pieces of officiating you've ever seen. If you ever watch it back and watch the thuggery uh, that was performed on the pitch that day that went completely unpunished, it was the absolute worst thing that I've ever seen. I don't know if we'd have gone on to, to win the league uh, necessarily, but to lose the unbeaten run in that manner, to, to basically be cheated, is still a... a one of the bitterest tastes in my mouth still. It isn't unfair to say that Manchester United sh could and probably should have had at least three men sent off before half-time 
It was ridiculous. I, I, I as much as I, I've, I've had conversations with Manchester United fans before about it, and they've said, oh, "Well, you're just bitter about it." No, I'm not bitter about it. Well, I, I am, but I'm bitter <laughs> about it because the the refereeing was so poor, and we literally just got kicked off the park. And it's all well and good saying, "Oh, Arsenal don't like it when teams are rough against them." There's being rough against them, and then there's just outright cheating. And that's what Manchester United did that day. And I still, I'm not over it. I'm not over it. No, but the worst um, part of all of it is you had all that officiating and then that Shrek pug-faced git, uh, granny shagging twat. I've really gone, I've gone all in here, haven't I? Uh, <laughs> diving over the luxurious Sol Campbell uh, and it being given and that being what costs us and then watching that enormous horse celebrating on his knees. It's just the worst actually that's another game i can't watch back <laughs> yeah, a lot, i'm with you on that every, every now and again the uh the, the highlights of the uh the incidents that mike riley famously missed turns up on my timeline mm. and i normally get to about midway through the first half and have seen that rio fernand rue van Nistel and gary neville shouldn't be on the pitch and then i just i'm like no i can't watch anymore i can't watch anymore i, I and just can't take it the, the facial expression that sol campbell produces when that penalty is awarded um, is also just su- that sums up the feelings of every single Arsenal fan um, that was watching that game that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But anyway, I think um, you know. Well, good job, Andre. We've managed to end uh, another <laughs> podcast on a on a sensationally upbeat note. So uh, fantastic. 49 undefeated. undefeated. <laughs> there you go. Everyone can think about that and, and and remember how wonderful the memories were before we were cheated. Yes. Okay, so that brings us to an optimistic close to another episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. Um, Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with us or see what we're up to, you can uh, find us on social media. We have a Twitter, Facebook and Instagram page that you can find by searching for the Boys in Red and White podcast. And we also have a website, which is www.theboysinredandwhite.com. Mr. Grayson, thank you for your time as always. It's been a pleasure. It it certainly has. Thank you for yours. It's been lovely. And hopefully our next podcast will be celebrating the fact that Arsenal are through to the next round of the um, Carabao Cup after triumphing at Leicester. And also hopefully we've uh, claimed an unlikely three points at Anfield next Monday night. So Yes, and, and speak, we'll probably be speaking the day before we're about to knock them out of the fourth round of the Carabao. So uh, I see nothing to, no reason to think that won't happen. Excellent. No. We're going to win every single game this year. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for listening and we'll see you soon for another podcast. Bye.